1: Good morning. This is Gail Sylvia, your host of Sylviaglobal.com. I am so excited today. You know, most of us are familiar with the seven wonders of the world. I actually believe there are there are eight and more, and among them is our special guest, Judy Belk. Judy Belk is the senior vice president for Rockefeller Philanthropy Advisors, RPA. She oversees the agency's three regional offices in Chicago, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. The Rockefeller Philanthropy Advisors advises and manages more than $2 million in annual giving and it has exceeded um, several billion dollars over time of giving, in giving. Um Judy um she's quite an incredible lady because she went from the government working in the government and has always been intrigued by private sector and has landed one of the most influential positions in the area of philanthropy that um we could ever imagine and so Judy, thank you so much for being here today. How are you?
2: I'm great, thanks, Gail. It's great to be here.
1: So nice to hear your voice. So very nice. Uh, Judy, talk to us about your background so our audience will know, you know, a little bit more about, you know, what influenced you growing up, you know, and how it, what led to this road that you're on today.
2: Oh, Thanks, Gail. Um, first of all, I'm delighted to, to be here, especially to talk about my passion, philanthropy. And one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about philanthropy uh, it's a big old word, and um, and I know um, that there's always a tremendous amount of talk about how to be more strategic and, and metrics and and the billions that are uh, flowing into the philanthropic sector. But I always try to remind donors that I work with um, about the end user, and I can't think of a better... A poster child for the benefits of strategic philanthropy than myself. Um, I grew up in Alexandria, Virginia, outside of Washington, D.C., before it was a tourist destination. And as I think about my early life, um, I really was a beneficiary of really good strategic philanthropy. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for uh, philanthropy. Um, early on, as i was being educated my uh parents um played a huge um role in making a decision to try to um to get my sister and i in our neighborhood school we're african americans and at uh, when i was growing up i'm of the age where the state of virginia had very strange ideas about uh educating folks who looked like me and my parents participated uh, in a court case to integrate uh, the Alexandria Public Schools. Well, that court case was funded um, by local philanthropists, uh, primarily uh, from the white Jewish community who joined with the African-American community to ensure that my sister and other African-Americans um, in uh, in Alexandria, I got to go to um, to public school or have access to public education. That was one example. The second example was that my first introduction to the arts um, was as a result of a generous um, gift of an of a philanthropist in Alexandria who provided funds for uh, young people to go and see a professional Uh, arts um, uh, performance, and I remember sitting in the National Theater in Washington, D.C., seeing uh, the opera Carmen, and that began a lifelong interest uh, in the arts. And then I went on to college. I, I went on to Northwestern University outside of Chicago as a result of Funding and scholarship money that was provided by philanthropists. So I could go on and on about how my life has been enriched by philanthropy. And I would say, uh, Gail, I didn't, at that time, I didn't know many of the generous donors who supported me, didn't know very much about philanthropy. But those early experiences certainly um, got me excited about using my talents and my skills. Uh, to give back. And so I've now worked in government, in the private sector, and now um, for Rockefeller Philanthropy Advisors as a nonprofit. And I would say the thread that um, goes through my life has been this desire to give back and to help people give back.
1: Well, this uh, experience that you described with the relationship of the Jewish community Supporting a civil rights um, issue that affected African Americans. Mm-hmm. Do you see any connection today or affiliations with African American philanthropists and Jewish philanthropy? You know,
2: I I see connections um, not only with the Jewish community and the African American community, but what I'm seeing more and more are a variety of communities of of color, of uh, folks from different backgrounds reaching across and going outside of their community to offer a helping hand to other communities. I think um, the tradition of the Jewish community's involvement in, uh, in support of the civil rights community is just one example of that. I mean, when you really think about philanthropy, that's really what philanthropy is all about. It's it's really using your resources to help um, someone um, outside of your family, outside of your um, your comfort zone or your community, uh, for the greater common good. And I think that's what that's what's so extraordinary, and I see examples all uh, the time. I mean, I don't know who um was the philanthropist who provided uh, resources for my college education, and I've often you know wanted to really um, thank that person, um, but those are there are just so many examples of that um, across. Really, the country across the the world of folks who uh, who are saying, I I don't know this person. I I'm not from this community, but I want to give uh, give a helping hand.
1: Where are the you, you just referenced? Um, you know, cultural groups now extending their their reach beyond just the immediate culture or community (laughs) that they're affiliated with. Mm -hmm. Give us some examples of where you're seeing that shift occurring.
2: Yeah, uh, Rockefeller Philanthropy Advisors has really been quite interested and we've um, devoted a lot of time and effort in addition to us helping philanthropists, individual philanthropists with their own giving. Um, we we uh, we also spend a lot of time really talking about trends and best practices in the field of philanthropy. Doing a lot of research and a lot of writing, and many of those resources are on our website at www.rpa.org um, um, or rockpaw.org One
1: um,
2: one of the the big stories of philanthropy is that as um, our demographics uh, have changed, um, that has also changed the face of philanthropy so a few years ago we decided to start documenting these changes and really developed a directory of of uh, community of color. Uh, philanthropic engines of women uh, funding uh, initiatives as well as funding initiatives in the LGBTQ community. The idea was to, one, uh, emphasize that many of these communities that are often viewed as, quote, recipients of philanthropic dollars are actually um, also have strong, strong cultures of giving from, you know, Native Americans to uh, African Americans to women, and we've really tried to lift that up. Um, most recently, we've been involved with um, a major initiative called D5, which is a major initiative supported by foundations in um, in the U.S. To really um, promote and uh, stress the importance of equity and diversity in uh, in the field of philanthropy and in last November, we hosted a d five hosted a convening of diverse philanthropists here in Los Angeles, and the next convening uh, will be held in the midwest November fifteenth in uh, in Chicago. And this is an opportunity to celebrate um, diverse giving, to bring together diverse donors.
1: And that's hosted by the uh, Rockefeller Advisory. It's hosted. It's actually hosted by the D5
2: Coalition.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: um, folks can find out more information at www.d5coalition.org. Uh, Rockefeller Philanthropy Advisors is a proud partner um, with the coalition. We serve as the national office. Um, so the program is housed with us, but this is really a coalition of some of the largest foundations uh, in the country committed to really promoting diverse giving. Uh, promoting more equity of philanthropic dollars. So organizations from the California Endowment um, to um, the Rockefeller Foundation to the Marguerite Casey Foundation, the Kellogg Foundation, are all part of this coalition. Um, RPA has been working with D5 specifically on raising the profile uh, and celebrating individual uh, donors and philanthropists. And, in fact, uh, we also just produced a terrific uh, video called I Am a Philanthropist where we went out and we talked with individual philanthropists of color and women and from the LGBT community, asking them to share their individual philanthropic journey uh, as diverse donors, and that video can be accessed on YouTube. It can also be accessed on the D5 website and the RPA website at www.rockpa.org.
1: We also plan to feature it on the com website so that our audience um, can see um, the diversity uh, for themselves and also hear those messages that you're referring to. I guess as I listen to you, one of the questions that comes to mind is when our experience in because, in, as being philanthropists, we being our family, was that we never saw you know, publicly, mm-hmm. uh, other than, you know, entertainers and athletes, mm-hmm. you know, occasionally. We never saw other people who looked like us prominently in those positions of giving. We knew they existed, but we didn't see them. So as I listened to you talk about this wonderful event that celebrates diversity, at what point does that go out to the public to also see you know other than just seeing it amongst ourselves because now i'm I am meeting uh, more people of you know from other races that are you know also giving and doing it in big, bold ways, but we're kind of still in this little isolated group, and others don't see we're so quiet about you know the work that we do.
2: Right. Um, That's a really good question. And I think there's a growing number of us, uh, and I count you among that, Gail, who really are saying that we really need to elevate and really talk about um, giving, not only in the African American community, but also in um, the Latino community. And I think there are. I think there are a couple of things, one, that's been challenging, and then there are a couple of things that actually, um, you know, inspire me. Um, one, I, I think, is, as I mentioned earlier, uh, sort of jokingly, philanthropy is a really big word. It's a, it's a mouthful. And I think um, through the media and through, tra- you know, tradition and history, um, we have uh, not... Um, Kind of own that word, um, meaning communities of colors and others. We've we've let um, others decide who is a philanthropist and who is not a, a philanthropist. So when I went out and interviewed many of these philanthropists for the I am a philanthropist video uh, what I kept hearing over and over again was Judy oh I'll be happy to talk about uh, giving but I'm not a philanthropist and in fact saying I feel uncomfortable with that terminology and it became such a joke that I started having all of the folks I interview actually say to the camera I am a philanthropist and I kept saying now say it and own it I am a Philanthropist. Thus, we we named the video. I am a philanthropist. So so part of it is just the terminology. And when you when we peel the onion, um, folks would say, well, I think I'm a community activist, or you know, I'm yes, I give, but that I I don't give millions. Um, And as you know, uh, and certainly we believe it um, at RPA um just you know the act of giving consistently and doing it in a strategic sort of way um can make you a philanthropist so that's one word the the terminology um one that the general mainstream media that defines the 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 word has to realize that there has to be a really inclusive lens and um and we've been working hard on that i just participated This year, and a major article that Warders did on uh, African American giving as a result of a major report um, that RPA put out with the Kellogg Foundation, really documenting the fact um, that there's a tremendous amount of of giving uh within the african American community in fact African Americans give uh, a higher um, percentage than any other group in terms of per capita of income so that 's one issue. The other issue is really uh, getting um data about um the trends of giving, not just talking about it in sort of anecdotal but actually getting facts. And we've started a you know that in a community like Los Angeles, where Liberty Hill, with support from Liberty Hill Foundation, which is a great um uh, foundation promoting uh, giving and supporting community giving um launched a major research study on giving in the African American community in Los Angeles, and it was done by a amazing researcher from the uh, University of Southern california and Her findings were just amazing one she said you know the you know black giving is very complex there's a difference in terms of giving from older African Americans and the younger and the whole idea of when we talk about uh, Giving and black um, giving quite often um, many uh immigrant um, black communities don't feel part of the discussion, and there's a lot of growth in diaspora giving, so it was fascinating, so part of it is that we just have to get the facts and start um, getting those facts out in the community. And then we hope um, with videos that we're doing, um, there's been a great book out on African-American giving that's um, gotten a lot of publicity. But it's not only African-American. We need to do this. The Latino community, the Asian community, uh, LGBT community, and others to start really talking uh, and putting a face on our
1: giving. Putting a face on our giving, that's actually the, the mission here of Sylvia Global and how it evolved. You know, when you and I first met a year ago, it was because I was on a a personal, you know, kind of study tour, a learning tour across the nation to learn more about this realm of philanthropy. And you are so on point. We have guests that have been on our show. You can listen to it on Sylvia Global Radio um, on the website who are prominent, you know, prominent uh-huh. um, in their field, and um, many of them are prominent in the public eye uh-huh. um, as entertainers. Uh-huh. And when I ask the question, "Do they see themselves as a philanthropist?" the, the answer usually was, "Oh no, not me. <laughs> right. no, oh, right. no right. not right. me. You know, they don't. We, we don't connect with that word. Yet we do the work." Mm-hmm. that's associated that defines that word right. and so this it's kind of interesting too as a result um, you know Sylvia Global launched and we're in the the we just launched it on July 19th. I am a philanthropist. You know? That is you know, great. This, this can't so be. Good minds, good minds think alike. And also, you know, when we think alike, Judy, it's because we see the problem and we're not afraid to call it what it is and start addressing it with right. solutions. Right. You know, we're not... Um, What you're describing with the work that you're doing and many others, you know, between the Margaret Casey Foundation and those members of D5, along with the study like that of the Liberty Foundation, is so um, reaffirming in understanding that we've got something important that needs to get out to the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's put some research behind it, as you defined, the, you know, that study with the Liberty Hill. And mm-hmm. no matter how complex it is, it is still a fact that we exist and we are philanthropists and that the word philanthropy, with all of its, you know, cumbersome components in history, is still a very relevant term to these diverse groups that you just mentioned. You know, and right. it goes across the board. You know, we've I've had guests on the show who are who are in every category that you just described, from mm-hmm. you know the the Asian American, Latinas, and others on, and asking some of these same questions. You know, what do we have to do so mm-hmm. that others see? You know, not not to mm-hmm. you know, not to be visible for the purpose of self promoting but to be visible for the purposes of reassuring and encouraging.
2: I agree. And, um and I have just a, a few other tips that um that people can think about and actually start doing um tomorrow. Um one is really talk to your children and your family and friends about about your giving uh, and when I talk about giving not only giving dollars, which is definitely you know important, but also how you give your time um i've been more intentional uh about telling you know my kids when i'm when i 'm at a board meeting and why that's important. Um, you know, maybe putting you know a jar out on the table for you know all that loose chain and say you know we 're going to let 's put all the loose chains and then decide um you know how we 're going to give those dollars out if something for young people to think about um, so really making uh philanthropy as part of the family discussion, you can start talking about what you do there second um we we also know that, as we talk to many philanthropists they um they are interested in having discussions uh, about their philanthropic goals with their financial uh planners and and I would just encourage um uh Individuals that, as you're thinking about um, your trust plans, as you think about your investment plans, bring uh, philanthropy in the discussion. And if um, your financial advisor is not open to that, find, find another financial advisor who is. The other big issue that is really important is be intentional and thoughtful about um, how you can use um, your role on boards of nonprofits to promote uh, philanthropy in general. One mission of D5 is to try to get more folks of color, more women, more LGBT folks, actually sitting on boards of foundations um, because foundations hire Um, The CEOs, they uh, make a a point of deciding what the guidelines are. I just recently joined the CERDNA Foundation, which is a family foundation with assets of a billion dollars. It's the Andrus family. But they, as a foundation, made a decision that they wanted to add um, two or three non-family members to add, diversity and different points of view. So I would hope that folks would be open to that. Uh, we need to get more folks of color in the ranks of professional development uh, fundraisers uh, because that's a key to um, to reaching out to diverse philanthropists. So those are just a few examples um, that, we can all um, begin to think about how we can make philanthropy um, touch all parts of our lives.
1: Judy, I hope that you will come back on the show very soon. (laughs) We haven't begun to touch um, upon, uh, you know, probably at least ten more questions that I have. Um, I think that the tips that you just shared with the audience are extremely valuable. Uh, and I hope that they will take them to heart and understand the importance that you're placing upon them because those are the very tips that will start to shift our presence and our understanding and our influence in the bigger world of philanthropy and what it means. What are the traditional philanthropic behaviors of one ethnic group versus another ethnic group and I just want to give you a chance to shine some light on that and to sh- and how is it shifting
2: Yeah you know we're just really beginning um to understand that um one um which we also try to stress is that There's not a lot of difference in terms of the most important part of philanthropy. Across all uh, ethnic groups, all cultural groups, folks really want to believe that um, their dollars are going to be leveraged. in an effective and in a strategic way. And so all donors are struggling with the onslaught of needs with the limited resources they have. Um, One one that we do know, we know that there are, you know, some groups that are more um, interested um, in giving as a group. There seems to be a real interest in giving circles um, among um, some Asians and African American um, communities, I think um, African Americans and and uh, Latinos and and Asians who are straddling um, both um, want, you know resources to give um, with high needs of their community are often um, torn about wanting to support the needs of their community, but also being interested in broader issues outside of their community. I mean, I will always give to the African-American community, but uh, I also have interests in supporting the arts and supporting the environment uh, and others. And and we hear often from um, many donors of color about being, how do you balance um, that need, um so those are just um you know a couple of um of examples and we're just beginning to do a lot more research there's probably been more research done um on the giving um differences you know for for women and we're just beginning with this study that um was just commission in Los Angeles on giving trends and interests of the African American community. We're just beginning to get a better understanding, but we need to do a lot more research in that arena.
1: Judy Belk, Senior Vice President for Rockefeller Philanthropy Advisors. Thank you so much for being with us today here on Sylvia Global.
2: Gail, thank you so much for the invitation.
1: It's our pleasure. You can contact Judy and learn more about the work of the Rockefeller Philanthropy Advisors at ROCKPA, which is ROCKPA.org, and on our website at sylviaglobal.com. You'll see Judy's smiling face there and um, be able to also see the video, I Am a Philanthropist. Um, Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and we hope you'll join us again soon. Judy, thank you so much. Continue the good work that you're doing, and we'll stay in touch. Thanks so much, Gail. Okay, my pleasure. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Hello, Gail. Hi. Hi. I hope that was okay. That was perfect. Thank you so much. Oh,
0: you